This is Anthony Manfredi. Hi, this is Opal Alipat. And this is the Performance Management TechCast podcast. Welcome to the Performance Management TechCast. We are recording this in April, and hopefully winter is far behind us. We are pleased to have with us today Chris Bomer from Anaplan. Chris and I have worked together for a long time, and we're excited to have him with us to learn and discuss Anaplan. Chris, I know you really well, but if you could do us a favor and please introduce yourself to our audience. Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. Like Anthony said, uh, my name is Chris Bomer. I'm the Vice President of Customer Success for the Central Region at Anaplan. I cover basically from Ohio to San Diego, which is a little bit of an unusual central region. Um, a little bit about my background. I've been in the EPM space for approaching 30 years now, I think 28 and a half years or so. I'm a CPA by training and education. And I spent some time obviously in finance and accounting, um, but very quickly moved to IT um, and then into you know the EPM space. So I have a long history with Oracle and Hyperion products, implementing S-Space and planning and OBIEE, as well as doing data warehousing and ERP work. And along the way, I moved to England and then started doing some consulting and spent uh, almost 10 years with a major SI, implementing mostly, again, Hyperion and Oracle products, as well as doing EPM strategy consulting and uh, found my way to Anaplan. So that's my, my background essentially, and uh, now I'm uh, focused on customer success. So Chris, with all that experience in the Hyperion Oracle space, why the change to Anaplan? What, what about it drew you in? No, that's a really good question. I get asked that a lot, Anthony. So I was, as I said, uh, working, doing EPM strategy consulting, and I was doing a blueprint for a major Fortune 500 uh, real estate company. And they were looking to buy an EPM tool. And obviously they were evaluating Oracle, which is why I was there. Um, but they decided to buy Anaplan. This was about seven years ago. And to, to be perfectly honest, I had never heard of Anaplan at the time. And I was surprised they went with Anaplan. Um, but very quickly realized there are a lot of benefits to a tool like that. I always used to have this adage about EPM tools that you could have it fast, cheap, or scalable, pick any two. Um, and the thing about Anaplan that really struck me was that it seemed like you could have all of those things. And what really struck me was that it was a single code base, um, you know, for a multidimensional engine that, you know, could do all of the things that a multidimensional engine can do, but, you know, it would also easily handle storing, say, text and Booleans and hyperlinks just as easily as it would, you know, numbers and dates like you would see in a multidimensional engine. But also it was real time, right? And so it was an in-memory engine. You didn't have to run calculation scripts to calculate data. Whenever you made an input, it automatically recalculated throughout real time and on the fly. And you didn't have to learn a scripting language, right? So it was, it was very uh, native formula driven, which meant that any business user who was comfortable modeling in Excel could pick up Anaplan. So that really struck me. But also a couple other key differentiators stood out to me. Number one was um, there weren't really any dimension limits, right? So with some legacy tools, you, you might be limited to eight dimensions. 
Thanaplan, you could, you know, have as many dimensions as you needed, but you can also plan at any level within those dimensions very easily, and you can connect those models together. So when you're planning it, you know, at a, at a middle of a hierarchy in one business process, but in another business process, you know, maybe you're planning at the leaf nodes, you can automatically connect those models in memory and they will automatically sum and connect to each other. So you don't have to write any scripts or put any thought into it. Like you might have to with some, some of the legacy tools. So those are the biggest things, but also, you know, it's the fact that you are connecting business silos, right? So um, you could be uh, working, planning in marketing or in HR or in sales or in supply chain, as well as finance. And all of those models can be connected real time in memory where you're, you're not creating that latency and speed to decision uh, across them. So it's really that flexibility and business owned concept to me that, that was the biggest thing that drove me to really embrace Anaplan. And I've, I've, I've been a, a fan ever since. It's pretty interesting. If someone's never seen Anaplan though, Chris, how would you describe it to somebody who's never seen it before? Yeah, that's always a fun one, right? Is especially if if you're trying to explain it to somebody who doesn't know what we do in the EPM yeah. space. So I, I like to describe it as a, a cloud-based planning and analytics engine that was really purpose-built for the cloud. It wasn't migrated from a legacy on-premise application, but this engine is focused on all planning activities within a corporation, right? So like I said, not just finance, but you know, our other key areas that we focus on are, are sales and sales performance management or supply chain, uh, you know, demand planning, operations planning, supply planning, predictive planning, HR, marketing, operations and IT. All of these areas have planning functions and they can use a tool like Anaplan and connect into those finance forecasts that are more common that you see other tools focused on. But again, it's a single code base that addresses all of these areas. Uh, it's in memory, real time. And really our, our primary goal at Anaplan is to create, you know, what we call connected planning, right? And so you may have heard the term integrated mm-hmm. business planning in the past, but the idea is that we're really truly connecting these corporate strategies that are created at the C-level and we're pushing them down to those business outcomes, right? So we're, we're actually planning for those business outcomes with a single tool that are connected and removing the speed to decision. So if you were to look at, you know, legacy tools in this space, we typically have point solutions that fit, you know, in marketing or, or SNOP or, or in sales or in finance. And typically the way they're connected today is by downloading data to a, a spreadsheet, right. And sharing them back and forth. Right. And that creates this massive amounts of latency. It creates, you know, massive amounts of, of data issues and confusion. And so what our aim is to create that connected environment where everybody's planning, all the data is flowing through and you're all looking at the, the same data at the same time, real time. Cool. Are there anything, any misconceptions? You've worked there for a few years. Any misconceptions of plan that you've heard out there that you, know, you may want to clarify to someone who's trying to look at it? Yeah, thanks. I mean, there's there's a couple that jump to mind. You know, I, I always say with great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> and it does take some time to learn Anaplan, right? And so, you know, if we if we talk about some recommendations later, you know, I'm going to really focus on doing the training and doing the work. I, I often ask customers, how long did it take you to learn Excel? 
Mm-hmm. And, and people feel like it, it was fast to learn Excel, but it really wasn't, right? People have been using Excel for 20 plus years, right? They didn't, when they first started using, you know, Lotus 1, 2, 3 and, you know, um, WYSIWYG, right? They, they didn't immediately understand pivot tables, right? They, they learned these concepts over many decades in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, while Anaplan is easy to learn, um, you know, I'll use an example of that, that same real estate investment trust where I first learned Anaplan. I, I went to uh, their Anaplan Launchpad training, which is what we, a training that we give on site for any new customer. And after that one week of training, I set about building a workforce planning application for them. And I did it in two weeks, right? And that's unheard of that kind of speed and agility and the fact that I did it. Now, was that workforce planning application that I built optimal? You know, absolutely not, right? Did it work? Yes. But, you know, did I follow the best practices? Probably not. And a lot of those take experience to learn, right? You, you have to build and implement these best practices to, to future-proof models. So that's a big misconception that, yes, it's agile. Yes, it can be business-owned, but you have to put the time in, right? And you have to probably get enabled by somebody who knows what they're doing if you really want to do this right and at scale and at an enterprise level. I mean, one of the things you mentioned, you know, you can have unlimited dimensionality. That's there's a lot of pros and cons of that too. So I can see how that could be a design consideration from that Absolutely. side too. <laughs> right. So, and then that, I mean, Anthony, that's a really good point. Well, another misconception that's out there is we have a concept called workspace with an Anaplan model. And, and people think that workspace is really, you know, like disk storage and disks should be cheap. Right. But what workspace really is in the Anaplan vernacular is it's, your in-memory compute space, right? It's your random access memory and it's your chip cores that are assigned to your model that are constantly using, you know, the patented hyperblock to process your model in memory, right? And so it's, it's that processing power that's happening all the time. So back to your point about unlimited dimensionality, certainly, yes, in your, you know, what we call your library, right? You can have as many dimensions as you want within a given module, you really only want to pick the dimensions that you need. If you start dragging in, you know, every dimension, you're going to run out of space because you're going to create an extremely sparse model that, that takes up way too much space. Um, so there's a lot of considerations you have to, you have to work on to, to make sure that you, uh, you know, manage your space accordingly. Let's switch over to the implementation side, because I'm sure we have a lot of folks out there who are kind of curious as to what an Anaplan project looks like. What is the implementation lifecycle for an Anaplan project? Is there a general recommendation to kind of start small and then grow, or you kind of do everything at once first, or what are your recommendations here? Yeah, well, that's a really good question as well. I, I think our recommendation is to use our methodology, which is called the Anaplan way. And the Anaplan way is loosely based on agile. And it, in, insofar as that it asks you to define a, you know, what we call a minimum viable product, right? And so to that end, our preference would be that, that you start small, but you start with something that's going to achieve business value in a very fast time frame. We identify a minimum viable product. Um, and then we go through, you know, typically an implementation is broken up into uh, you know, roughly five phases, right? So we have 
what we call the pre-release, which is where you're, you know, doing a rough cut estimate of how long the project might take and writing a statement of work. And then flowing into the foundations phase where you're doing project planning and sprint planning. So this is where you're, you know, writing a project manifesto, which defines, you know, sort of the goal of your, of your project. And you're also writing user stories and these user stories are your requirements in essence. And this is not wholly different at this point, right, from any waterfall project that you've ever been on. Um, but we very then quickly move into the implementation where we take those user stories that were written and we size them and give them story points and we put them into sprint buckets to define what we want to do in each sprint. And the idea is that your sprint is typically something like one or two weeks, you know, maximum of three weeks at the most mm -hmm. where you're building a capability um, and you usually have three, maybe four sprints before you sort of wrap up that minimum viable product. And the, the idea is that you're very quickly getting to something of value, but also what's important is as you're going along the way through those sprints that you're stopping and doing a sprint review at the end of each of those two weeks and you're changing course if necessary. So you'll be reevaluating the user stories that you've done. You'll be showing what was built to the stakeholders rather than waiting till the end of the project where someone might come back and say, well, that's not what I was expecting. The idea is that you are getting that validation early. So it's, it's almost like a mini user acceptance testing. And if there are problems, you're able to then pivot and change course. And the idea is that as, as you come out of a project like this, you then move into a more traditional testing cycle and a deployment cycle that's, again, similar to what you might find in, in any waterfall project, but that you're also enabling the customer along the way such that they can then take this forward. So the idea is, you know, throughout an Anaplan project, you want to have resources from the customer that are involved in learning how to build with you and alongside you. Because like I said, there's no... Um, you know, there's nothing better than actually building along and making mistakes to learning Anaplan, just like with Excel or just like any other tool. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the project, you should be able to not only maintain the solution that was built, but start another cycle of, you know, writing new user stories or maybe taking the backlog from the user stories that you had and starting to build and enhance your, your model that you built uh, going forward. And that, that's the primary goal of Anaplan is to leave it in the business and let them evolve it moving forward. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's also important to have a tool that can evolve as quickly as, you know, the agile methodology. So I think that's pretty important here too. Absolutely. What pitfalls have you seen? And do you have any tips or advice for, you know, upcoming new current Anaplan implementations? Yeah, the, you know, obviously <laughs> I have a lot of experience implementing a lot of tools, including Anaplan. And I've while I'm in what, what we call customer success, I, that means that I own all of our business partners that are assigned to customers for customer success, but I also own the professional services business as well. Um, so I'm actually very closely aligned with most of our implementations. Uh, the pitfalls, well, maybe if I start from a, a tips perspective, I think it'll cover all of the pitfalls. So the Anaplan way a methodology, again, we, we focus on four pillars, right? And I, I think the most important thing for customers is that they equally focus on the four pillars. And the four pillars essentially are uh, process, right? So you need to understand what your business process is today and what you want it to be like, right? 
and you know oftentimes customers don't know right so they need they need help redefining those um, but that's a, a significant investment the second is data so you know anthony can attest to you know data being the biggest pitfall in any epm project regardless of the tool right so if you have garbage data coming in you're probably going to have garbage data coming out obviously focusing on understanding uh, the quality of your data and designing enough time in your project plan to deal with that accordingly, right? So if, if you know you're going to have bad data, you should have a data work stream that's focused on, you know, how are we going to address that? Yeah. The third pillar is the model, right? So within Anaplan, once you build your model, you need to make sure it's optimized, right? And so we have an internal methodology called DISCO, which is, you know, within your model, you need to have modules that handle your, your data that's coming in, that needs to handle your inputs, that need to handle your system calculations, um, that need to handle your business calculations, and that need to handle your outputs. So that's the acronym DISCO. But it's very important that you focus on the model. And unfortunately, a lot of implementations only focus on the model. So again, mm-hmm. We're saying focus on process, data, the model, and then lastly, the the fourth pillar is deployment. And this is something people often wait till the end to think about deployment, right? What are my end users thinking? What's my change management plan? You know, how am I going to roll this out, et cetera? Our point is that from the foundation phase on, you should be looking at all of these pillars. So you need to be addressing your deployment, your change management throughout the project, inviting those stakeholders to all of the sprint reviews, inviting them to write the user stories, getting their buy-in early. So you're not trying to force them to like a tool at the end that they had no input on. So that's, that's a, a really key pitfall that a lot of uh, customers fall into. Chris, so you mentioned process and <laughs> we just happened to come, we both worked at a pretty heavy process place <laughs> yeah. before. It sounds like it's an important pillar, but does Anaplan provide guidance for the process? Do you provide some sort of guidance on what the best processes should be? Yeah, we would absolutely provide guidance on process and where maybe we don't have the expertise. If something's very specialized, we would engage a partner. I think from our model is Anaplan is not really a services company. So we have a professional services arm and the, the goal of that arm is to, if, if you listen to our earnings call, right, they talk about, you know, we try to keep our P&L where it's 90% subscription, 10% services. And that 10% services is really meant to fund a professional services organization where we have the ability to invest in customers that need help, um, invest in sales cycles, et cetera. So we have those best of breed essays. We have you know, an operational excellence group that's really focused on process, like we talked about. And we like to bring those in, you know, typically any new land with a new customer, we like to engage a solution architect um, from our team, or maybe even a solution implementation manager, which is the PM, to help drive that. And they, they have lots of process expertise to help, you know, make process change. And, and where we need it, we engage partners Again, you know, the majority of Anaplan implementation is done by partners, whether it's, you know, your major, you know, GSIs like, you know, the Deloitte's and the NYs and Accenture's of the world, or if it's, you know, some of our boutique and regional partners as well. What are some of the biggest wins that you've seen from Anaplan customers? 
Interestingly, with Anaplan, you know, the, the biggest wins for me are always tend to be related to customers that reduce a lot of process cycles from a process, or they reduce a lot of latency and they combine business processes and expose you know, real-time data across silos and, and bring silos together. But the other big win for customers, and I'll talk about one in particular where you know, it's, it's a capability that they develop when they become really strong Anaplan builders. So our customers that build what we call a center of excellence and have you know, their, their capabilities that, that spans all of those business silos within their organization, um, but has you know, model builders that are able to very quickly spin up models. So I've had you know, examples of customers that are reacting to something in the marketplace, you know, whether it's you know, the COVID pandemic or whether it's you know, something like a hurricane that's happening and disrupting business, right? They're able to very quickly spin up models to adapt to those changing needs. And that, that's the biggest win really for customers. I think it's, you know, this pandemic has exposed um, that opportunity for a lot of companies right now, realizing that maybe they don't have that capability and we can point to them, many of our customers that were able to very quickly react, very quickly build to build new scenarios or completely new models with completely different drivers because of a changing environment. Um, so it can be something small and focused like a hurricane that, you know, maybe disrupts the supply chain in a certain area and you need to refocus those resources elsewhere, identify what of your locations aren't affected and you can redirect your customers or it's something, you know, global like the pandemic where you, you, you completely need to you know, change your forecast on the fly. It's definitely important in today's world <laughs> for sure. Where do you think Anaplan is getting it right and wrong? And what analytics are you using to determine that personally? We use a number of different analytics. The, the majority of the information that we use to make decisions on where we want to take our roadmap are, you know, direct feedback from our customers. We actually ask our customers to submit enhancement requests directly with our product team. Um, and it's directly on our community where people can then vote on those enhancement requests. And, and that's a, a lot of how we drive our roadmap, as well as, you know, you know focused conversations where we purposefully will go talk to our customers and ask them about what they need. Uh, something of you know with Anaplan that's that's unusual is we have a designated business partner for every single customer. That's unheard of in the industry, specifically for free. Um, but those business partners, even after you know you've gone live, are going to maintain a relationship with you and have a quarterly success review with you, and ask you what's working and what's not working. And that all gets fed back to our to our product team. If you look at you know, our roadmap over the next year, I think it's, it's addressing some of our opportunities, right? So Anaplan, you, you can't be everything to everybody. You have to focus on the things that add the most value. Um, there's a couple of things that I think are going to be game-changing for us over the next year. So we're rolling out um, what we call the enhanced calculation engine. Anaplan, it, the native engine, is, is really optimized for dense data sets. So it's, it's really expecting that you have data in most cells and you can actually actively manage that sparsity by only putting the dimensions that you require in each module 
and then connecting to other modules that have the other dimensions that you might need, which is great. But a lot of times, you know, customers want this really sparse data, right? And they, they, they might be used to a, a legacy EPM tool that's, that's optimized for sparsity. They might want those analytics that way. So, you know, building that engine is going to give our customers the best of both worlds where they'll be able to have data that's optimized, you know, for the dense engine and data that's optimized for the sparse engine uh, and be able to have those at the same time with this, again, a single code based and, and, a, and a single front end. So that's going to be key. The other area that we're, we're focusing on is some of the more pixel perfect reporting options. We're working on a lot more of that static reporting um, that we haven't had in the past. Those two things for me are the real game changer that, that bridge the gap from maybe some of the other tools that were out there. The roadmap sounds pretty cool. Got like some good stuff coming up. Yeah, it's really exciting. Really exciting. If someone's, they're just starting out, they're a consultant, they, maybe they've had some experience in some of the other tools. Um, they really want to get started out in Anaplan. You know, what's your advice? What's the, what's the best way for them to get on an Anaplan project or to start working with the tool? I think obviously the most important thing is to do the training. <laughs> um, you know, I talked, I talked about, you know, dedicating the appropriate amount of time, right. For, for a project, you know, if, if you want to get onto an Anaplan project, I don't think there's anything stopping anybody that has the standard EPM skills. I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I was able to go to that one week launchpad training, you know, having been an S-based developer for 20 years, right. I was able to go to a week of training and start building a, a model that very next week and, and have something, you know, a rough draft in a couple of weeks. So it's not difficult, but I do think you need to carve out the time and make sure that you're, you're willing to do the training and you're willing to invest some time in, you know, making some mistakes. If you're a consultant and looking to get into Anaplan, you're going to have to invest, I would say, a year to get from zero to being a master Anaplaner solution architect. So make sure you have that time set aside in a way as a consultant, there's no reason why you couldn't be billing on a project within a month. That's pretty quick. Is there anything that you have coming up that you like to plug? The biggest thing I like to plug about Anaplan is our user conference. So it's, it's, it's called CPX, the connected planning experience. It's uh, most likely going to be virtual again this year, um, but really looking forward to you know, having customers come again. I think this year we are going to probably have, you know, maybe executive levels come on site if we can make it work in the fall, but more to come there. Uh, but certainly that's the best place to learn about Anaplan, specifically if you're a, you know, a consultant wanting to get into the Anaplan space. But also, you know, you can always reach out to me. We have tons of partners that are looking for talent and willing to invest in, in your education as well. Uh, but the other thing I'd just like to plug, and I, I talked about this a little bit, but I just, you know, I, I really feel this is something unusual in the marketplace, which is Anaplan is going to always designate a business partner for our customers. So that's, that's something that I think goes overlooked. Um, and the fact that you have Anaplan with skin in the game when you're buying a tool and, you know, looking out for your success is, is something that's really important. Yeah. And so... Can you just give us an example? What are the responsibilities of a business partner? How do they help clients with their implementations? Yeah, no, a business partner, typically, you know, they engage with a customer, you know, often during the sales cycle and they'll help the customer, you know, potentially pick a partner 
um, or utilize wow. plan services, as I mentioned. Um, they will be involved in the project in every aspect, right? So they'll attend your kickoff meetings. They'll attend, you know, your foundation meetings where you're writing user stories um, and help drive the project. They'll attend sprint reviews and daily standups. And the reason why that's important is A, they're in the trenches with the customer building a relationship, but B, they're learning the tool that was built for the customer, right? So if somebody calls Anaplan support to say, my model's not working, our support doesn't know what model was built, right? Yeah, <laughs> they sure. They can answer questions around a function that's not working or, you know, you know, something around the platform. But if you want something specific about a custom model that was built in your environment, that's where you're going to work with your business partner in the future after the, the SI is gone. Um, and then once you're implemented, you know, again, the business partner is going to be there to help you build your roadmap, help enable your resources, you identify, you know, key stakeholders and, and places you might uh, move and, and, you know, potentially even do some demos and talk to other areas in those business silos. You know, back to Opal's question, you start small, you might start in finance, you might start in sales with incentive comp or, you know, territory and quota, but you want to quickly get into those other silos because the value is when you have full connected planning and you have everything tied together across your organization. And it takes a business partner in conjunction with our counterparts in the business to, to draw those connections and get people interested elsewhere in the business to, to utilize Anaplan. Some really good insight, Chris. That, that sounds really cool. I like that role. It's a very powerful role. It definitely doesn't sound salesy though, for sure, because they're actually involved in the details where most yeah, salesmen just leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, every, every customer has an account executive as well, right? But it's right. the business partner that's there day to day and they're not, their job is not to sell. Their job is to ensure success and to ensure adoption and to make sure that these customers are happy getting value and that they're going to renew, right? We're a subscription-based company um, and we want our customers to renew every year. And so it's important for us to invest the time. In. And most of the renewals annual? Or is it like a three-year contract type no, thing? Um, we have customers with five, three, one-year contracts and everything in between. So you guys offer a lot of different flexible options for uh, for SaaS then. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ob- obviously, you know, you'll you'll get a better discount if you sign up for more years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. If someone wants to reach out, they can feel free to just email me directly. I think that would be the easiest way. Um, my email address is uh, Chris dot bomer b-o-e-h-m-e-r at anaplan.com great thank you so much thank you chris this was great i appreciate it we learned a lot it's my pleasure thank you for the opportunity thank you for listening the statements in this show represent the views of the participants and the hosts and not necessarily the views of any organizations they may be affiliated with you can reach us on twitter anthony at the Manfredi and Opal at Woman in EPM with the hashtag PMTechCast. Please remember to subscribe to get the latest from the Performance Management TechCast.